James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Good morning. It is good to be here this morning. This is a bit of a different viewpoint for me during this time of our worship, but I'm thankful to have it. I want to take a brief moment to thank the elders for the opportunity to stand before you today and to share a portion of God's word. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I once had a coach tell me when I was young, he says, if you don't feel the nerves and the butterflies in your stomach, then you're not excited about what you're fixing to do. I can assure you that I'm excited this morning. (laughs) The nerves and butterflies are stirring. I know at this moment you might be looking at that title and rejoicing in trials and thinking, so great, why are we talking about rejoicing in trials? Will, if you only knew what I was carrying in my life at this time, if you only knew the emotional struggles that I was battling through on a daily basis, if you only knew how hard it was to put one foot in front of the other every day, If you only knew how difficult it was to get out of bed in the morning. If you only knew the constant pain that I carried in my body on a daily basis. Will, if you only knew the trials that I'm currently dealing with or the trials that I've dealt with in my past, you would not be talking about rejoicing in trials in the same breath. It's no secret to any of us here this morning that trials have the potential to push us to places and try us in a way that few things in our life can. And I recognize the fact that many of us walk through those doors this morning, many of you walk through the doors this morning carrying trials in here. And I acknowledge that as we go through this lesson that it might cause you to reflect on those trials of the past or in those trials that you're currently going through. And I can assure you my intentions are not to bring those strong emotions to the surface. My intentions are not to cause that pain that often comes with those trials. And I wouldn't take us down that road if I wasn't fully confident that the Word of God has some powerful encouragement for us to equip us to go through those trials. And I thought a good place to start would be in James 1-2 and talking about the reality of trials. And that seems a little odd stating the fact that we just talked about the many trials that we go through. James 1 and 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various tests. The word there is not if. The word is when. The likelihood of trials is real. And I thought it would be good for us to go back, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a list of some that I've put down. When we think of Job, and the trials that he went through. We would be hard-pressed to find someone outside of Jesus who suffered more than Job. Lost his children, his wealth, his livestock, his crops, his health, his relationship with his wife and his friends. And then we think of David, the constant running and hiding for many years from the jealous King Saul. 
We think of him dealing with sin of adultery and murder. And we think of Hannah, one of the two wives of Elkanah, provoked bitterly for years by Peninnah because she could not have children. We read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 6, and 7. We think about Mary in John 19 and 26, 27, how she watched her son be crucified. And we think of Peter in Mark 14, 72, how he said he would be there to the end with Jesus, but denied him three times at the trial and then broke down and wept. We think of Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 and 25, in prison repeatedly, beaten many times, exposed to death, five times received 39 lashes, three times beaten with rods, three times shipwrecked, and a day and night in the sea. And then we think of our Savior. The betrayal, the scourging, the devil's temptations, and the crucifixion. So I thought it would be a good place, a good foundation, an important foundation to start by looking at a biblical definition of trial. And you'll see that I have trials and temptations, the same word in the original language. Um, adversity, affliction, trouble, sent of God, and serving to test or prove one's character, faith, and holiness. And I think when we see that definition and we see sent of God, it's important to remember in James 1.13 that God cannot be tempted and he himself does not tempt anyone. But he does allow us to be tempted and go through trials. We see that in 1 Corinthians 2.13 where God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And you think of Job and how he handed Job over to Satan. And his only instruction was, do not put your hands on him. He will allow us to go through difficult times. If you would go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. I would like to look at the nature of trials. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And that reads, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So first nature that I have here is that when compared to eternity, our trials are brief. It says in verse 6 that it says, now for a little while. I know that those words will hit the ears of everyone different, depending on what trial you're going through. And that leads me to the second nature. They are all varied. We all go through different types of trials. Some that will seem brief, some that we will carry our entire life. So that I know when we see those words, it'll be different for us. But when we think about our lives on this earth and how it's described, but a vapor, when compared to eternity, even if we have to carry trials our entire life, it will be brief. Third, they have a necessity. We see there in verse 6, if necessary, when we go through a trial... There is a necessity for that, and we will see that here in a little bit. Fourth, trials prove our faith genuine, a proof of our faith, and we'll talk about that more in depth here in just a second. And then closing out in verse 7. 
it says trials will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now I want to shift to the purpose of trials. And I assure you this is not an exhaustive list of the purpose of trials. It's three that I've picked out to help stimulate thought that, will, that you can take and further this study on your own. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, please. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. Paul here speaking to the Christians in Corinth says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So the purpose that I have here is God uses trials to break our independence and foster our dependence on him. When we look at that word despair there in the scripture, this is the definition in the original language. To be utterly at loss. Be utterly destitute of measures or resources to renounce all hope. In other words, Paul is saying that his full dependence in that time was on God. There was nothing else that he could do of himself to protect himself. And many times in our lives, we are going to face trials like this. We are going to be in the midst of a trial that is outside of our control. And that our full dependence will have to be on God where it needs to be. And I think a healthy, healthy perspective to keep here is that God is not putting us through these tests so he can know where our faith is. He already knows where our faith is. He's putting us through these tests so that we can know where our faith is. So that we can figure out how genuine our faith is when we go through these trials. But the interesting part about independence and dependence is that on the physical side, from the time that we are born, as we grow through life, we are taught to be independent. We come into the world fully dependent on somebody to feed us, to clean us, to clothe us. As we go through life, we get more independent in every stage. So we learn to be dependent on self. Let us not confuse that with our spiritual nature. We need to be dependent on God. Without trials in our life, it can become easy to put our faith in our own independence. Trials will remind us of our dependency of God. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7. Again, it says, In this you greatly rejoice. Well, what are they greatly rejoicing in? If you look at verse 5, it says, The protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And he's saying, in that protection of the power of God, you, we can greatly rejoice, because even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, 
is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God uses trials to test, to prove, and to strengthen our faith. And we see Peter here telling us that it's necessary, not only for various trials, but to be grieved by these trials. When we think about gold and the way that it's refined, when you originally get gold, you don't know what kind of value you truly have. It has to be treated, it has to be refined before you can know the purity of that gold. And our faith is the same way. We have to be refined, we have to be tested so we can know the purity of our faith. A simple analogy is weightlifting. You think about weightlifting, we can go to the gym every day. We can walk around that gym We can tell people how strong we are. We can take all the pre-workout routines. We can be ready to go in there. We can look in the mirror. But until we set on that equipment and we put our muscles through the trials and the resistance, there will be zero growth. And not only do you have to do that, you have to feed them the proper diet to repair them. And when you think about our faith, it's the same. Our faith, the testing and proving of trials, will strengthen our faith. Oh, going too far now. If you would, turn over to James 1. This was our scripture reading, James 1, verses 2 through 4. With the idea that God uses trials to test our faith and develop endurance, which will drive us towards spiritual maturity. It reads, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. I want to talk about the word joy there for just a moment. This word can sometimes throw us for a loop, or sometimes be misunderstood. James is not saying that Christians should have a joyful emotion when they're in the midst of trials. He's not asking us to have a party when we go through a very difficult time. He's not calling for us to enjoy the trials. James does not say to find joy in the trial. We must not misunderstand what James is saying here so that we are not discouraged. James is talking about our mindset. He's talking about viewing trials as an opportunity to rejoice. He's talking about thinking of trials as an occasion for joy. James is not calling for us to change our emotions. Trials are difficult. Trials are painful. It reminds me of a trial that I went through, and it was a brief trial. But it was a trial where I was completely helpless. There was nothing that I could do of my own to change the situation. One day I was watching our four sons. Krista was at a church function with the ladies. And my six, I think he was six or seven at the time, had made it clear that he wanted to go to the Lakeside Park, which was about seven blocks from the house we were living in. And I told him no, a few times. But no wasn't good enough for him. So he took his pillowcase, packed what he thought he needed, and slipped out the back fence and was gone. And for 45 minutes, there was no way, nothing in my power that I could do to know that he was safe. 
And you know what? The last thing that I was thinking about at that time was being joyous. The last thing, the farthest thing from my mind was, hey, I should take joy in this situation here. But interesting enough, as time goes on, I can count it all joy that I went through that because it reminded me that my full dependency needs to be on God. And at that time, it needed to be on God. Sometimes there are things that are outside of our control. We can count it all joy because we know it is an opportunity to strengthen our faith, to develop our endurance, and this will increase our spiritual maturity. I want to talk a little bit about the word endurance. Depending on the version of the Bible that you're reading from, it'll be endurance or patience or maybe another word. But in the original language, and I'm probably not pronouncing it right, hypomone, there's two root words. Hupo, which is under, meno, which is to stay, to abide, and to remain. It's the picture of someone under a heavy load or a trial and choosing to stay there instead of trying to escape. Now, the idea of this patience is not one of us sitting in a doctor's office in a waiting room and waiting for that doctor to come see us. The idea of this patience and endurance is something that we would use to run a marathon. And when I think of it from a worldly perspective, I'm reminded of running. Not because I like running. If it was outside 94 feet, which is the length of a basketball court, I was not running. But I have watched my son's cross-country team this year run. And I've watched the maturity and the endurance that they have built up from the beginning to here progress amazingly. And there's a reason that they've been able to do that. If only because they've endured the heavy load of waking up at 5.20 every morning and running upwards of eight miles a day. In the same way that this endurance has led to their team's physical maturity, in the spiritual sense, if we continue to endure through our trials, we will increase our spiritual maturity. Endurance is developed when we go through trials. What makes it possible for us to rejoice in the midst of trials? Sometimes that's a hard question to answer. I think there's three things that I'd like to share here that are foundational to us being able to rejoice in the midst of trials, and that's knowing who our God is. Our God is intimately involved. He knows everything that's going on. Allow me to illustrate that for you. In this world, there's an estimated population of 8.1 billion people. That's across seven different continents, and within those continents, there's 195 countries. And across those 195 countries, there's an estimated millions of different species of animals. And in that, there's an estimated 10,000 species of birds. And God's word in 10, Matthew 10, 29 tells us that a sparrow cannot hit the ground without our Father knowing it. He is intimately involved. Our God is just. Our God is going to be fair. He's always been fair, and he will always be fair. In Romans 3, 26, it talks about being just to those who don't have faith in Jesus and being the justifier of those who do have faith in Jesus. 
our God is just. And then we think about our God in 1 John 4, 8. He is love. And because our God is love, He will always be present. We think of Matthew 28, 20, where it says, I am with you always. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. We are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in us. And then we look in Psalms 139. In the whole chapter, we read about God's omnipresence. Specifically in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Our God is always present. Foundational understanding of our God will help us understand why we can rejoice in the midst of trials. Now I want to transition to why we can rejoice in trials. We can rejoice in trials because trials will grow our knowledge of God's word and character. Let's go to Psalms 119, please. Psalms 119. And I'll read 67 through 71. Sixty-six. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statues. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. Seventy-one. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statues the psalmist repeats the idea of the positive nature of affliction the repetition that we see in verses 67 and 71 communicate emphasis and importance when we go through affliction under the wisdom and guidance of god's word it will do us genuine good god often uses suffering to grow our knowledge in his word and his true character our family can attest to this we have a very dear friend who has been in the midst of a trial for a while. And in the midst of this trial, we have watched her turn to God's word and pour, pour over the scriptures to gain knowledge of his word and to gain knowledge of who he is. Trials will grow our knowledge of God's word and our character. We can rejoice in trials because trials increase our gratitude for our Savior. When we taste sorrow, it reminds us that Jesus drank the full cup of God's wrath on our behalf. He prayed in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And that cup was not removed on our behalf. Then when we turn over to Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are 
healed. Our pain makes us more aware of Jesus' pain, increasing our gratitude for the agony that he suffered on the cross. We also rejoice because through his sacrifice, our sin is forgiven and our salvation is secured. Trials increase our gratitude for our Savior. There must be a little delay. We can rejoice because trials make us more like Jesus. Please turn over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But we do see him who was made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering. Why was Jesus made lower than the angels? For the purpose of suffering. Because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. We see through the eyes of faith that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the purpose of suffering. And in verse 10, we read that Jesus is our author. Another word for that author is captain. Jesus was perfected through sufferings. I'll turn over a few chapters to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his pity. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. In verse 7, we read about the agony of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, proving that obedience did not come without struggles even for our Savior. Yet he remained perfect. In verse 8, it says he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. We can see that when we suffer and we remain obedient, we can become more like Jesus. We can rejoice in trials because trials equip us to comfort others. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Our experience of trials help us understand what others might be going through and what their needs might be. And our experience of God's comfort equips us to come alongside them to pray and to serve in a gentle manner. And it has been a blessing to be in this congregation the last year because I have been so greatly encouraged by the way that the people of this congregation love so intently in times of need, when people need comfort.
we can rejoice in trials because trials remind us that this is not our home. Turn over to Revelations 21 and 4. Revelations 21, 4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. When we are in the midst of our trials and our suffering, our heart yearns for a place where we don't have to experience that anymore. And as much as I love the people in my life and on this earth, I look forward to the opportunity to be in a place where we do not have to experience those things. Trials remind us that this world is not our home and there's a much better place. To go over what we've talked about this morning, nature of trials, the purpose of trials, what makes it possible for us to rejoice in trials, and we can rejoice in these trials because trials grow our knowledge of God's word and character. They increase our gratitude for our Savior. They make us more like Jesus. Trials equip us to comfort others. And trials remind us that this world is not our home. And I want to leave you with this in closing. Please turn over to Romans 5. Romans 5, verses 3 and 5. Before we read it, I want, want you to know if in your verse of the Bible it says exult or glory, but in the original language that word means to glory on the account of something. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Remember the endurance and patience? Same word in the original language. Brings about perseverance and proven character. The word proven character in the Greek has the idea of someone who has passed a test. And perseverance and proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If we want to know why we can rejoice in trials, I leave you with this. Our hope is not in a trial-free life but rather in a glorious, trial-free eternity. To glory in our past, current, and future trials, we have to remain focused on the hope of the glory of God, which we will experience in heaven. If you're here this morning and you're in the midst of a trial and you need the prayers of the elder to sit with you and to pray with you and talk with you, or if it's not a trial and you just need the prayers of the elders, they'd be more than happy to sit with you. Or if this morning you're outside the body of Christ and you'd like to become a child of God through baptism, at this time, please come while we stand and sing.